Hey everyone, before we start the show, I want to do a quick call out because we've got this collaborative storytelling project we want to work with you on. We have a preview of a recent campfire chat all about bonking. We're going to share some of our best bonk stories and we want to hear yours. So if you've got a story you'd like to share with us, give us a call. That's right, using the phone, old school technology. Give us a call at 206 705 3006 and leave us a message like you can just record your story right where it is and we'll hear it again that's 206-705-3006 you might just hear your voice on a future episode hey how's everyone doing today good good how are you great all right everyone campfire conversations who do we have here today cordelia lauren and Becca. <laughs> nice. Nice. We did it. <laughs> With some editing. Um, so we all have lots of stories from our adventures in the mountains. Uh, big trips, bonding trips, challenging trips, um, the whole nine yards. And the stories, a lot of them do have common themes, um, but they, they're all unique to each of us, right? Um, but there are some things that we have pretty much all experienced there are things like the strange places we've slept, uh, the food we've had to consume when we're on running on a low budget, um, the items of gear that we're irrationally attached to. And it might not be a long story, but there's a story behind these staples of the dirtbag lifestyle, and we love hearing them. So today, we're going to be talking about bonk stories. We've all been down that odd, potentially hallucinogenic path of calorie miscalculation. I'm Fitzcall. I'm Cordelia Zars. And you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Okay, Lauren, <laughs> your bonk story, go. Kick us off. Okay, <laughs> so it's 2017. I'm in Yosemite Valley. I've decided after having done a three-day ascent of the nose on El Cap in the spring that even though very little has changed, that somehow now I'm ready to try to climb the nose in a day. And so I call up my friend Nick um, from Colorado, who I had done kind of my first wall with a couple years prior. I just jugged behind him on the leaning tower, but um, which was totally epic. But for some reason, I thought that we'd be a really good team for this. And um, he's a super talented alpine climber, but not necessarily a very experienced big wall climber at this time. And so regardless, we like set off at three o'clock in the morning to try to climb the nose. Lauren, and, and I think uh, just jumping in, like just explain to us like what I feel like the nose in a day is kind of this this crazy rite of passage for people that are, are valley climbers. Just just break it down for people. Like, what does this entail? Like, what are you trying to do in a day? Yeah, so what you're trying to do is climb about 30 pitches of a kind of a variety of terrain. Like, the nose is so cool because it's got all sorts of different things on it. So you're doing up to at least 5'10 free climbing from off whiffs to finger cracks to hand cracks. Um, a bit of aid climbing up higher for most folks, 
um, you've got the king swing right in the middle. And basically, you're just trying to get to the tree that marks the top of the route in less than 24 hours. At this point, the speed record, you know, is like two hours or something. <laughs> uh, the first nose in the day, kind of importantly, was around 16 hours. And so for a lot of folks, that's kind of like a benchmark, even though it was something that they were capable of doing, like that, you know, that climbers were capable of doing almost 50 years ago. Uh, we ended up bonking because I definitely hadn't planned on being up there for a full 24 hours. Um, and so I'd packed probably two liters of water because I think that's what all my fast friends were saying was the right amount of water weight that you could manage, which is definitely not enough for 24 hours of like intense physical activity. And like I probably had some bars and other lightweight things, but I think at the time I was so afraid of having a heavy pack and having to do all this with a heavy pack that um, I probably didn't bring nearly enough. My Nick, on the other hand, brought two Snickers bars, as oh I remember God. it, and like a liter of water because he'd been in this like Alpine training Steve House program where they made you do all this fasting. And so he was like, trust me, I'm good. And I have like way more food than <laughs> Nick, but still like not nearly enough. And surprisingly, you know, so we're up there for a lot longer than we think, but we actually hit all of our benchmarks perfectly, which is that like, so we would have gotten to Dolt Tower at hour six, and then we got to, we had all sorts of king swing problems. It was totally epic, but we got through and we're starting up the great roof at um, hour 12. And in my head, I remember being like, I just don't think we're going to get any faster. So now I think we're not on track to maybe even make it in under 24 hours. And I was hopeful that like maybe because the king swing had taken us like an hour to get through that we might make up a little bit of time. But I feel like past the 16, 17, especially 18 hour mark, like the tiredness is just like so hard to work through. And you're like, there's no way I'm going to get faster at this point. And I think that like my phone was dead. and I had no way of knowing what the time was. Only Nick had a watch. And um, I had this like amazing moment of jugging up the final pitches. And just as I like cleared the lip, uh, the last pitch of the nose has this bolt ladder and it gets really, really steep all of a sudden. And then there's like this dramatic shift back to slab at the top. And I remember clearing that over into the slab and hearing him like yelling, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And I was like, why do we need to hurry now? <laughs> like this, we haven't been hurrying at any point all day. And so I like, I'm racing up the final slabs and like on all fours trying to get to the tree as fast as possible. And when I get there, Nick stops his watch and he's like, 23 hours and 59 minutes <laughs> which makes for like the longest possible naiad in which case after that it's just not a day anymore it's just a push <laughs> but i think we didn't know like how much harder it was going to keep getting because now we have to of course like make our way down the east ledges which are notoriously like tricky route finding and i had done them once or maybe twice, uh, but I didn't really remember that much, and I was so tired that we kind of just start wandering in the general direction of the uh, of these ledges, and and at this point, like everything is really setting in for me. Like I'm super cold. I'm totally out of food. I've been out of water for a really long time, and we're making our way through these manzanita bushes, which are not where we're supposed to be. We're just basically trying to plot a straight line east and hope that eventually we get to the ledges. Um, and I start like having these hallucinations, which I didn't really process until later of like feeling like 
in my periphery, there were manzanita bushes trying to grab my arms. And like, I felt like they were gremlins or just like bad people up there. Like I was really afraid that we were going to get kidnapped, even though like no one's up there. So like we started at 3.30 was our official start time. So now we're on, you know, which means we topped out at 3.30 in the morning again, which meant that now it's probably been like an hour or two on our way down because we're moving so slow. Even though this is a descent that if you knew where you were going could take an hour or two. We're like two hours in and not even close and it's dark and we don't know where we're going. And it's, I mean, it's also a descent that people have died on too. Like it's, I mean, it's pretty mellow in the, in the light, but it's like, there's just enough like towards the end, especially that, right. It's like people died there. Totally. It's just enough that it's like really hard to navigate in the dark. Um, Like usually, like really the only way to get across the slabs in the right place is to like follow cairns. But it's just so hard to see those. And, you know, your headlamp's fading because it's been on for, like, many, many hours already because you've been climbing in the dark uh, for many hours at this point. And now it's, like, probably 5.30 in the morning. And I remember feeling, like, so overwhelmed. Like, the manzanita bushes are trying to kill me. I can't find Nick anywhere. It's, like, dark and I'm super scared. And finally, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to sit down here until it's light enough to see the cairns and I thought it would be a long ways away and like within a half an hour it felt like it got light again (laughs) but this is when I coined the term be lighted um which is like you know be nighted when it gets dark on you and be lighted is when it gets light again (laughs) yeah and then we get all the way down the fixed lines so there's a series of like fixed line repels five of them ish and we get finally get down and my and Bud, who is now my husband, but was then my like brand new boyfriend, um, was sleeping at the bottom of the rappel lines because he had hiked up with pizza for me and Nick, knowing that we were totally worked. But in this moment of like total brain fog, I just like don't, I can't trust myself that he's really there. And he's just like, I brought you pizza. And I remember looking at him just like totally bug-eyed like <laughs> what are you doing like how did you get here like where did you come from like in my head the only way to get where we were was like from the top of El Cap obviously you could just walk up from the car but uh and I remember him being like I can carry stuff for you and I being like oh but I've got this rope like backpack tied to me and I can't take it off and so I was just like no I think I'm good and Nick was like oh man thanks so much thanks for the pizza like totally jovial and I'm like watching them talk and I'm like how did Bud get here? Like, I just couldn't process this information at all. Oh, my goodness. And so we ended up, yeah, following him down the trail and then getting back to the car like 30 hours after we'd left it. To hear the full episode, subscribe to Diaries Plus. With a subscription, you'll gain access to other exclusive episodes, ad-free content, and more Type 2 fun. Plus, you get to support the future of the show. There's a link in the show notes, or you can head to dirtbagdiaries.com backslash plus to subscribe. As always, thanks for listening.